You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. Let's join in for this week's message. It's a big day. Uh, I just want to encourage you. Next time it's the praise and worship's fully engulfed like it was, I want to encourage you to come up front because there's nothing like being up front and being in the middle. I've, I've been in praise and worship as the sound guy for, I, I guess, off and on for 15 years, I guess, or whenever. But there there's, was a lot of times where it felt like in a room full of people I was all by myself. And there's nothing like getting up here and even being just right there. And, and, and that's church is when the praise and worship's pouring it out and the people behind you are pouring it out. It's, it sounds like you're just in a – you can never replicate that. And, and so I encourage you. Next time you feel led to get up here, just come stand up here and get a just get your toe in the water and watch what God will do in, in your life. But so uh, this morning I want to go to chapter ten of the in Luke and it says now it happened in verse thirty eight it says now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part. In some accounts it says the greater thing, which will not be taken away from her. And I, wanted, I just want to say thank you to all the places that you could have been last night and this morning. You chose to be here the, today. And God will honor your faithfulness. Uh, I told, well, I was visiting with Seth. <laughs> Yesterday, Seth come by and we were visiting and I said, you know, five, ten years ago, I would have made the, the, the night party and the morning church service. But my 30s has, has talked me out of that. So, uh, so thank you. And uh the, the title of my message this morning, it says, uh, the title of my message this morning is An Eternal Mindset. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 9, in Ecclesiastes you talk about seasons in your life, seasons come and go, and new years, new things are happening. It's new season, it's a new season in life. And in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 9 it says, what profit has the worker from that in which he, has, he labors? I have seen the God-given task which which the sons of men are to be occupied. In other words, you got a job, you're to be occupied, you're to be doing. And he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into their hearts, except that no one can find out the work of God that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. And today you have chosen to start off this year in a good place. In Genesis, God spoke and, 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 and he created and creation, creation has yet to stop creating and existing. It's going to be a new year and a new year, a new you. The gym memberships, the, the what do you call it, the New Year's resolutions, so on and so forth. I always, you know, like, you just kind of like, well, let's, let's just wait and see what happens, you know, instead of, uh, uh, no promise is better than a broken promise, you know, and, uh, yeah, I, aside from what's going on in the world today, what do you want to look back this time next year and say, 
I got what I set out for. I, I started today and I had a vision for what, the, what the, my year would look like next year. And that's where we, we have to get out of this temporal mindset and start thinking past the end of our nose. Right now it feels good. It, it, it feels good, but it, it ain't always good for me. And I'll keep going, but New Year's resolutions and new goals for the year. You're fast. What decision do I need to make today to start that process? Am I, am I building my eternity today or am I just living for the moment? What's good for me doesn't always feel good. And uh, I look back and I, I was getting ready for this message and, and I look back at my time of, alone uh, and there was, a, there was deaths in the family. My grandpa died. It was probably one of the most devastating times in my life to be alone. You know, I wanted, uh, you know, nobody wants to be alone, but, you know, you're going through this. But I was in a place of if God wasn't enough for me in my life, no one was ever going to be good enough for me. You know, because a lot of times we think our significant others or relationships are what, what bring us close to God. And God's like, hey, man, that's good. That's a gift for me and all that's good. But if, if I'm not good enough for you all by yourself, then they cannot be your God in your relationship. And uh, in order to be a good husband, I had to learn to feel what it was like to be alone and be okay with that. At the time, it didn't feel good going through some of the darkest times of my life, but it was good for me. Because I know, now know what it feels like to be in rejection. It wasn't God's will for me to make those choices that I did to get to that place, but there is always a way. I want to tell you this morning, don't quit, hang in there, and God's will will be done. Jesus at Gethsemane. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36. It says, Jesus then came to a place. And this is where I'm talking about, man, when you feel like you're alone, you feel like the world is coming down on you. Like 2021 and 2022, it was like, how much worse can it get? You know, and I remember going through these alone times in my life and God's like, hey, you're going to have to see see this through. You're going to have to go through these things. And, and uh and, and it brought me to this passage in G, with Jesus at Gethsemane. And that means that word Gethsemane, if you look it up, it's a place of crushing. It's a place of mashing. It's, a, it's, a, it's, not, a, it's not a fun place to be. And we've all been there. And we're all, if you're not there, you will get there. You know what I'm saying? In your Christian walk, you're going to go through some things that it's going to bring you to a place of pressing, a place of the threshing floor. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it says, he tells his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face praying, oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you as you will. And that's what you're going to have to do is when you, in this year and going forward, when things come into your life, you're going to have to look at that situation and measure up to the Word of God and say, is this good or is this good for me? Does this feel good or is, or is this good for me? This, this, this spot where I'm at right now is a place of crushing, but it, what's it going to bring forth in my life? Yeah, it doesn't feel good. And Jesus is, knows he's headed to the cross and he goes and he's going to go pray to his father and and how I always think if Jesus has to endure knowing that he's going to the cross he goes to his dad and says God if this cup can pass from me let it pass and how many times in our life when we say man if you'll just get me out of this 
if you'll just get me out of this, I'll do better. You know, I've been there. I'm going to be the first one to say, Lord, if you just get me through Monday, I promise I won't do it again on Saturday. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've been there. You know what I'm saying? And, and But Jesus, knowing that he had to go to the cross and to, to despair and agony in his life, sweating blood in some accounts it says, but he says, you know what, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. And what good come from that? And we measure that up with our lives. Man, it don't feel good right now. But it, don't, it doesn't feel good, but it's good for me. We don't always see that kind of tough love, that God love, that says get up and try again. Or, hey, you stay in the mud with the pigs. Or you, get up, or you can get out and come with me. In Revelations, God is talking to the lukewarm church. Everybody say, I am the church. Okay, everybody take a deep breath because this is where... They're talking, he's writing in red, and it's the church, third chapter of Revelation. He's talking to the seven churches, and he is not happy, to say the least. But it says, uh, these sayings, these sayings, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. And this is where I want to, I'm not, I'm not, we're not here to bash you this morning. We're here to, we want to, we, we're here to challenge you. We want to see good in your life. And you make this decision. You get to make this decision in your life. We don't get to make it for you. And it says, I, I know that, I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish, I could wish you were hot or cold. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you're a wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and you anoint your eyes with the salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. It don't feel good, but he loves me. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, and you say, what is that voice? Because you, you hear about the voice, well, what voice? It's that calling, that I know God has a better life for me voice. That in, deep down inside, I know God's got something better for me. But that's the voice he's talking about right here. It's that uneasy feeling. I, I know I got to I got plum teared up yesterday, but I, how how heavy it is sometimes standing up here, knowing that God's got a word, and man, you can't sleep, you can't eat, you can't laugh, you can't cry. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, it's heavy. I just need to get this out of me because it's heavy, and 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 that. But that's that uneasy feeling. That man, I I don't want you to miss out on some. I will. I'm just gonna do it. I, I told Seth, I, I said, man, there's 10 more guys out there that can do it 10 times better than me all the time. And it's like, God, there's somebody out there better. But you know what? I will never not do this. If God calls me to do it, I'm going to do it, whether I want to or not, because I don't want you to miss out on what God's saying and what God's has for your life because I didn't feel like it today. You know, even in my mess, I'm not standing up here saying that we got it all together. I mean, anytime you've heard us preach, you know that we, ain't, we don't have it all together. <laughs> you know, I have story after story of uh, the ranch life and my sons, and you know, I've got a spank can, uh, 
cast three times a week, and then yesterday, Kenny got him a dose, and I'm like, holy crap. This boy could put cast in his pocket and walk away with him, you know. He is something else, but sorry. And uh, I'll go back to it. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And you need to, if you're writing in your Bible, I, I underline in my Bible, but in verse 21 it says, and you need to underline this. It says, To him who overcomes. You just jot that down. In other words, you're going to go through a mashing and you're going to think you're alone. You're going to think God's mad at you. But it says, to him that overcomes. And then right next to it, this is a promise. In other words, if I go through this and I overcome this, not by myself, yes, I'm going to have to go through some things that are going to feel like I'm alone, but God will meet me there. Some of the greatest revelations I ever got in my life when it felt like I was most alone in my life. And God said, hey, I got something better for you, but you're going to have to go through this just for a minute. It says, I will grant to, him, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame, and he's talking about in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's sweating blood because he knew he was going to have to go to the cross. He says, because I also, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, I'm sorry, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. There are times in, li in my life where God said, Kobe, not right now. Those, those, those alone times, those, you know, you're, you're fighting battles and you're trying to get through them. You just need to leave it. Now, maybe it's not right now. Maybe it's just leave it. You know, what, what, and I go back, what do we need to leave in 2022? And, there, and I go back and I look of all the, the devastation and the hurt and, and thinking, my God, that hurts. You know, like we're, we're Christians, we're going to church, we're having... There, there's toil and torment and, and you're like trying to push through and make it, you know, and it's like, dang, are you leaving me here? You know, how, how many times have we felt alone and you thought you were doing the right thing and I'm going to encourage you, you are doing the right thing. Because yeah. when there's something good trying to happen, there's always something evil trying to stop it. Man, that's good. Yeah. And so, uh, but I have overcome because of God. At the time, I thought he was mad at me and God is not mad at you. In fact, He loves you enough to correct you and stay with you. It's your job to repent and move forward. And, and we talk about this, you know, at our ranch. We move on in our realm. You know, we have these conversations with people and it's like they leave or they, you know, they got to go, which is fine, you know. And, uh, but I always say, and we're not waiting on you. God's a God of progression. God's a God of new things. He's a new season. By the time you come back, it won't look the same. And so, what, so don't expect me to be in the same place I was when, I, when you left. Because when you come back, it's going to look different. And so uh, we move on. And, and, and you think God, you know, like you think of God like, we don't talk about the God that disciplines. We don't talk about the God that's, hey, you can't do that anymore. Hey, you can't make dumb decisions and you can't have your cake and eat it too. Does that make sense? And uh, the other day, Cass had got a note sent home, and it, and it broke my heart. I was, I was disappointed. I knew I had to discipline my son, but, but this was different. It wasn't just, I'm going to spank him, but I had to teach him something. You know what I mean? It's like, I have to, this is a teachable moment. 
And after I had disciplined him, we sat and we talked. And I had to break it down into pre-K terms, you know what I'm saying? And so what can I tell my pre-K son that you can't make dumb decisions? You know, like you can't you can't do dumb things and, and, and not get in trouble for it, you know. And so I was I was tearing up and I was like, we're going to have to, you know, it was felt like God was saying, I want you to just take them and you're going to pray with them today. And so I disciplined and I sat and I talked with him and I said, I love you enough to not let you stay in this mess. I love you enough to say you're doing wrong. I'm going to discipline you and we're going to move on. But let's let's pray. And so we prayed, we held hands, and I said, Lord, we just come to you, and I thank you that Cass is just going to make a better decision today, and we're just going to leave it at that. You know what I mean? And so a lot of times it's like God comes, we make dumb decisions. He says, you can't do that. Whatever happens in your life, and he says, you know what, you just need to make better decisions today. And I had to, I actually, actually wrote back in the book to his teacher, said, Cass will make better decisions today. And I just left it at that, you know. And so if she, if she has to call him out, I'm thinking, look, if you'll just tell this boy make a better decision, he will remember what happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, you don't have to tell him to get up. You just say, hey, you better make a better decision today. And he'll hop up, you know. And uh, I know it. Romans 8, 28, and it says, And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God. And to those who are called according to his purpose. And I want to talk about the discipline of God. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 4. It says you have not, resist, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. And you, have not, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speak to you as sons. My son do not despise the chastenings of the Lord. And that chastenings, chastenings means correction and discipline. Nor be, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastenings, God deals with you as, as sons. For what son is there among a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastenings, of which all have become partakers, then you are Ill, illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, in other words, I just want to break it down to you because we think, you know, like if God's talking to me and dealing with me, he, I'm a son. And, and so if you're in a mess right now and God's talking to you and he's dealing with you, you are a son or a daughter of God. That means he loves you enough to say, hey, I, I'm disciplining you. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm taking you through this. I'm, hey, that, that, that that burning on the inside of you that says, I know I'm not doing the right thing, but I want to do better. That's God, and he loves you because you're his daughter and you're his son, and you're okay. You're human, and God made you. And don't let the enemy or the devil talk you out of that. Uh, I'll go back to, uh, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid, them, we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of the spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that he, we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening ceased to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit 
of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And everyone needs to say, I want that fruit. <laughs> that peaceable fruit. Nobody wants, the, nobody wants the discipline and the correction, but they want the fruit. You know, it don't feel good, but it's good for you. Matthew seven twenty, it says, you will know them by their fruit. Jesus is always talking about the fruit. He's always talking about the fruit inspector. Cutting off the bad, pruning, I'm throwing on the threshing floor. This will be burned, this will be cut down. And uh, I don't have to ask you about your life. I can see the fruit of it. You know, if we sit back and watch people in their lives, and especially now on Facebook, they put everything on Facebook, and it's like, I don't have to ask you about your life. I can see it. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? That's why I, it, it puts a magnifying glass on, on, on faults. You know, when you, when you put all that stuff out there, it just puts a magnifying glass on your faults. It's like you crash harder because you put all this stuff out there and you can't take it back. And now you crash and now there's a magnifying glass on it. And that's, I, that's for somebody in here. I don't know. I, I wrote that in my notes and I was kind of, yeah. But as I look back over my life, I remember all the hurts and suffering failures and upset and the men that would discipline me over and, and disciple me over me in the rough tough love that would be, mold me into what God wanted me to be God wastes nothing I mean I had some tough mean men in my life growing up and it was like you, you wanted to be those guys I wanted to go work cows with my dad and my uncle and you're probably going to get hollered at. They're probably going to cuss you. If you get close enough, they're going to kick your kick, kick you, kick something. They're going to put a cow over the top of you. Like yesterday, we were popping firecrackers at Casco by, and I was like, that's my son. I'm going to throw that firecracker at him. You know what I mean? Like, I could do that. He's mine. <laughs> you know? But it was like, <laughs> so then we got, we're shooting each other now, you know, and so. He'll be tougher for it, you know. But I look back over those times in my life, and God wastes nothing. I had my arms broke, or my arm broke at a, at a young age, and they thought it was funny. My mom didn't, and uh, but I, I would never, I'd never go back and want to change that. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I am who I am today because of those. I, they wasn't soft on me. They wasn't easy, but it made me into the person I am today. And you think, man, those guys don't love me. Man, they do love me. They love me enough to say the world is a tough place to live. There's going to be things that happen to you that you're just going to have to get over it and move on. In uh, 1 Samuel 15, verse 21, and, and uh, I'm sorry, verse 1, and I always go back to this, but you just underline or write this down, and in your time you go read it. But the Lord's telling Saul to destroy Amalek. And I preached about this a couple Sundays ago. And Amalek is a worldly system. It's, it's evil. It, they were the relentless enemies of Israel. And I want to ask you this morning, what are your Amalekites? What is the Lord taking, telling you to take out this morning? Before you move into the new year, we're starting off good. And he's saying, I want you to leave some things behind. I want you to destroy some Amalekites in your life before you move on. I want you to destroy some of the worldly things 
Like you're here this morning, you've made a good choice, and you get to make the choice. You can leave that behind and pick up and move on and go on to new things. You know, there's some worldly things that we, even in my own life, there's some worldly things that I have to move, I got to move on because it's not that God's mad at you. It's just because where God's taking you, those things can't go. And I, I was seeing a, and, and I seen a deal. It was Tyler Perry. He was at Joel Osteen's church and it was a rocket and he, he shot a rocket up, but the boosters fell off. And he's like, those, those boosters were meant to rock, to shoot the spaceship up. But where the where the spacers the spaceship is headed, the boosters can't go. And so you're gonna you're gonna, you're you're rocketing up. You're moving forward, and there's some things, maybe some relationships, some people they don't get to go with you where you're headed, and that's all right. You're not you're not broken. You're human. But to obey is better than to sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. And the difference between sacrifice and obedience is I can tell you what to sacrifice. As, as, a, as a leader or spiritual leader, your spiritual leader, I can tell you, hey, you need to sacrifice this, you need to sacrifice this. But I can't tell you what God is, is telling you to obey. Only God can tell you what to obey. And each person in here, God's telling you something, and it's your job, it's your it's your choice to obey that, whether you do or you want or whatever. And as we, as we dawn the new year, we take a look at the things we left behind and the things we're going to be faced with in the year to come. Make it the best year of your life. Make, make, make this year the best year of your life. My 2022 20, was the best year of my life, but I got a new year. There's a new season coming. Yeah, we face a lot of hardships but it was the best year of my life because it got me to 2023 and I know God's got something waiting for me here that that just molded me into where I can receive what's going to come in 2023. And I want to ask you this year or today, what is God asking you to leave in 2022? Um, I, we were driving down the road the other day and me and a couple of friends and they were just talking. It was like, man, you're a good guy. You go to church and... And you got it all together, and I and the Lord just just really snapped it in my spirit. He says, "No, you're not." And I was like, "Yeah, I know this, but how can I relate to them and tell them that I'm not? I'm not the greatest person. I'm not. I'm not good. You know what I'm saying? In their mind, I'm the best, or you know, not the best, but you know, it's like, well, you go to church, you got it all together. And I said, "Man, I don't go to church because I'm good. I go to church because I need God in my life." I don't go to the doctor because I feel good. I go to the doctor because I'm in a bind. Yeah. Kelly, she goes here and I always call Kelly. I'll have like a one time I had a split forehead and I sent her a picture. I said, you could see the skull. And I said, does this need stitches? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so she's like, yeah, yeah, it needs stitches. And so uh, we get that taken care of. And then it was like two years later, I split my leg open and I get home and I pick my pants up and I mean it's split you can hold it open see the leg and I'm like I text her I sent her a picture I said this needs stitches she said yeah it's like two years later so I get there get to the doctor they're stitching me up I said one day Miss Kelly I promise you I'm gonna call you just to find out how you're doing <laughs> I'm not gonna call you because I need to be put back together you know what I'm saying I didn't go to her because I felt good I go I call her I'm in a bind there's something hanging. I could see something I ain't supposed to be seeing. You know what I'm saying? We don't come here because we're good. We come here because we know we need help. Yeah. 
I need help. I need help not to want to blow up at people driving down the highway. I need help. And that's okay. That's why we're here. That's why we have God in our life. And uh, so as we start off the new year, we're going to invite families to come and take communion together. And uh, you guys can stand, and David's going to come up. But yesterday I had a conversation uh, with my grandma. And I, I would go outside, and we have an office there, and I office kind of out front yard. And I, I was, I'd go in. My grandma is a pray, prayer warrior. She sits in her chair. I'm telling you, thank God for your grandma's at prayer. And so I'm sitting there and uh, talking to my grandma, and I said, I don't know what communion, I didn't know what communion was. I didn't know. I'd been in church all my life, and I and then they were taking communion, and I didn't know what it was. I just did what the guy next door to me was doing. You know, it's like I didn't know. And so we—that's why we're here. We have to, uh, we have to teach and learn what we don't know. And communion—the definition of communion—is the sh the sharing or exchanges exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. In other words, it's just you and God. It's just you and God. I can't, we, we can stand here and we can point the direction, but you need to know what communion means. And in uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight 28 says, but let a, let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And, and we're not going to do it right now, but they're going to send for your families. If you want your kids, uh, you go get your kids or they'll send them down, correct? Yeah. And, and, and just starting off this year, we're going to take time to reflect. It says, let every man examine himself. In other words, we're going to take a minute. And what, what's God telling you this morning to leave back? Because he's got something so much better for you in 2023. And every and just looking back, every time I left, it's like the teddy bear. It, that deal just blows my mind. It's like this little girl's got this teddy bear that God gave her, and it's a little teddy bear, and it's her teddy bear. But and Jesus is standing there, and he's got his hand out, and he says, "Give me that teddy bear," and she's holding on to that teddy bear. She does not want to let go. And if she'll give him that teddy bear, he's got a bigger teddy bear waiting behind her back, his back that she can't see. And so what is God telling you to let go of today that he's got something so much more bigger for you tomorrow? It says, but let every man examine himself. And then we'll move on. But we aren't living for ourselves. The decisions I make reflect the people around me. The decisions I make today will determine the outcome of my days, weeks, months, years, and eventually my eternity. Yeah, that's right. I always have an eternal mindset I, I, when I do things it's like what what's this going to look like in eternity you know it's easy to say man this feels good today let's go do whatever yeah. it feels good you yeah. know what I'm saying but I have to have an eternal mindset I, I always felt like when I was in those darkest hours and times and going through those pains in my life that I was like man this hurts but it was building towards my eternity for my family I didn't even have a family yet but I'd ruined one, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And it's like I, I learned to have an eternal mindset, not be so temporal. I know right now you want to blow up on somebody. You want to, you know, w whatever you face. I mean, life ain't easy. Josh and I had Christmas Sunday. 
I mean, like, good Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Like, things are happening. We got the most cattle we've ever had in our ranch. I get home. Kathleen dead in the hay, pat, hay, hay rack. And I'm like, well, that ain't good, you know. <laughs> that ain't mine. It's Josh's. And I would rather call anybody in here and say, hey, you got a dead cat. But Josh, I don't want to call Josh. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, it's your brother-in-law. You don't want to call your brother-in-law on Christmas say, hey, man, we got a problem. Like, Merry Christmas. You know? <laughs> and so it wasn't easy. It's like, well, what are we going to do? I, I don't know. You know, like, I just know that was dead and there's another one to follow. Like, something's going on. We had to fix it. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't easy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We got together next morning. We made a plan. We, we're back. We're back good. You know what I'm saying? Did I expect that to happen? No. Yeah. No, I didn't. Oh, was I going to blow up? And, and you know what? And, and now, in all of eternity, I, I'm not worried about those calves now. There's nothing I can do. What can I do to keep that from happening again yeah. years down the road? It's good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And today you have made the good choice to have an eternal mindset. Yep. That's good.